This is Bethel Temple Church's podcast. Here at Bethel Temple, our desire is to see people changed, delivered, and set free as they experience the light of Jesus. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Listen, when you came in today, you should have gotten a puzzle piece. Did everybody get a puzzle piece? I know you're probably wondering, what is this all about? If you didn't get a puzzle piece, could you raise your hand and make sure you got one? Everybody in this, everybody in this building should have a puzzle piece, whether you're up in the booth, whether you're in the back, whether you're part of the worship team, whether you're an usher, serving, everybody should have a puzzle piece. So if you don't have one, raise your hand. I'm going to explain what the puzzle piece is for as we get along in the, ser- in the message, but please make sure you have a puzzle piece. Amen. So glad to have you here today in our worship service. Of course, you know, those of you that are joining us by way of live stream, we welcome you always. And as I said earlier, it's, it's an honor to have you to continue to be a part of us. You know, even though you're not here, we have people that are not even in Virginia that are part of this church and join us every Sunday, every Wednesday night. They've, you know, have connected with us and continue to remain with us. And we're glad whether you're a member here, whether you're a, a, a regular attendee or one of our guests, I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here. And so I know God has something for you today, and, and God never shows up empty. He never shows up just to, you know, to, to, to be in the number. He comes because he has something that he wants to do. And I'm just one of those preachers that say, God, have your way always in the house. I never asked him, Lord, let me have my way a little bit. Nope. Have your way. Every time. Because I told God a long time ago, God, if you're not going to meet me there every time, I don't want to go up there. Because it's, it's, it's not an easy task. You know, those of you that have come up here a few times, you know that it's not. You know, it takes a whole lot. But anyway, I'm glad the Holy Spirit is moving in the house today, and I believe that he's moving in your hearts. Just don't offer resistance to him today. I think you should have that posture. Say, God, have your way in me. Can you do that right quick? Just say, God, have your way in me. Come on, tell him one more time. Amen. We're continuing in our Resurrecting Hope series, and we got a few more messages to go in the series. And of course, this series, we've learned something. We've learned that, that, that life's greatest challenges that we go through, we can make it through these things because we have a living hope. Aren't you glad we have a living hope? We don't have one of those, uh, I hope so, I, I guess so's, but we have a hope that we have, we have a confident hope. That's what this message series is all about. Hope is a confident expectation. That means that we know God's got it. Amen, aren't you glad about that? All we have to do is have a little bit of what? Faith, trusting Him and he'll do the rest. Our main text has come from 1 Peter, first chapter, verses 3 through 5, and I, I keep reading it because I want you to get it. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Christ got up, we have that living 
hope. Aren't you glad about that? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. See, this thing, this is going to last forever. See, this is not something that's going to go away and we got to say, God, I hope so again. No, no, the hope that we have is a hope that's going to live on forever. Does not fade away. Reserve for you in heaven uh, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, we started this series, we, we, we focused on Mary Magdalene, Magdalene, and when she journeyed to the tomb on the first Easter, when I said last week, I said, y'all know the first Easter was, and people were looking at me like, oh no, Easter back then? <laughs> he got up. <laughs> that was the first one. But her hope was shattered when she, she, she witnessed Jesus dying on the cross. But to add insult to injury, when she got to the tomb, couldn't find his body, his body was missing. So could you imagine how even more devastating her hope was, how much more even more shattered her hope was, but her hope was restored. Aren't you glad that, that, that you could be in a situation where you might feel hopeless, but your hope can be restored. See, her hope was restored it was a great surprise when she, when she heard that voice call her Mary. And her hope was restored because of the resurrected hope, who was Jesus Christ, was standing right there. She was standing face to face with the resurrected hope. That's why her dead hope was resurrected. She was mourning no more. That, I told you, I, I believe she was running in the, I mean, she probably ran the quickest race to go tell people, guess what? Jesus is alive. Then last week we discovered that, that, that you can have hope. Your hope can be resurrected even in your greatest disappointment. And we have external disappointments, but we also have internal disappointments. And the internal disappointments hurt worse then the external, when you know that you messed up, you failed, you fell short, you caused the pain, it hurts even worse. Think about Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. He, 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 he uh-uh, ain't got nothing to do with that guy. When he needed him the most, he wasn't there. But because of hope and because of love, when he saw Peter, when Peter jumped in that water, and swam across to the shore. When they sat down, Jesus three times. See, he didn't just restore him one time. He, look, you, you, you messed up three times. I'm going to restore you three times. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you know that I re I'm really connecting you back to me because of his love. Why? Because the love of Jesus, his love, aren't you glad for his love, can restore our hope even in the midst of your greatest disappointment. I don't know about you, but I know I've made some short, I've I, I, I had some shortcomings and I fell short in God in a day or two in my life. But I thank God that because of his love, his grace, that gift that he gives to us that we don't deserve, that we can't earn, we can't buy it, we can't never repay it, but he gives it to us, has restored any time. We say, God, I messed up. Our hope is made alive again. Aren't you glad about that today? 
that you don't have to wallow in your disappointment. And you can if you desire, but you don't have to because he gave us a way to not have to do that. Today we're going to find out that, that hope meets us in the midst of our sorrows and our griefs. Anybody ever gone through any sorrows? Anybody got any griefs? Anything that they've gone through in life? Because resurrecting hope makes all things new. Look at somebody say, makes all things new. That's how we can have hope even in the midst of sorrow and grief. Now I'm going to try to hold myself together here. Because many of you know that about a year and a half ago, our family experienced a, a great loss. When my brother-in-law passed away suddenly and unexpectedly, he was only 51 years old. He was a father, a pastor. He was a husband. He was a mentor to many and a friend. People knew him all over this world, all over the United States and outside of the United States. He seemed to be coming into his own in ministry. God was using him mightily to touch people's lives. And then all of a sudden, he was gone. And to most of us, in the, all of us in the family, it was like his, his, his death was just so wrong. Man, when he got sick, we all rallied together. We prayed, God, we know God. We believe in the power of healing. We believe in the power of God to go and do the miraculous. And we were believing that God was going to raise him back up again. But that's not what God did. That wasn't the outcome. And I got to be honest, we wrestled with that thing. We're like, man. He was in the prime of life. He, he had so much going on and he, 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 it was a lot of wise, wise, wise. We were all shocked, devastated. My sister, I call her my sister in love. I don't call her my sister in law because when you say sister in law, it sounds like she's like on the wrong side of the law. <laughs> my sister in love, I mean, she, she was devastated. Her son, she experienced this deep grief and heartbreak. But I think over, as time went by, we began to, 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 to understand that God had a purpose. That even in the midst of this grief and sorrow, God was still at work. You know, the gospel is full of, 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 of stories that, that talk about grief and talk about sorrow. Interactions, Jesus had interactions with people and families just like our family and just like your family because there are those of you that are listening today in the sanctuary and, and out there in, in virtual land that have experienced the same. You know, but, but, but the thing we have to understand is that in each time, each story, Jesus shines his light. His light of love, his light of compassion comes in and, and it, it helps us. It helps us with the pain. It helps us to resurrect the hope that we've lost in him. The hope that we've lost in our circumstance. And no, there's not going to be no morbid message. I see y'all sitting back like, oh, Lord, Jesus. No, no, no. But grief and pain is real. But so is the hope that Jesus brings in the midst of those things. Think about it back then. I mean, one of the greatest resurrection moments actually took place right back there when Jesus was, was walking the face of the earth. And in this encounter, he met people in the midst of their grief and their sorrow. And that's where we're going to start today. If you turn to the Gospel of John, 
uh, verse beginning at John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. He met some people that were experiencing grief and sorrow. And the scripture says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. And it was that Mary, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, (laughs) he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. You know, in this chapter, we, we, we're introduced to this family that consists of two sisters and a, and a brother, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and they're heartbroken because their brother is ill. He's sick. He's gravely ill. Jesus had history with his family. His, the scripture says that, 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 that the one he loved, so he had, to, he had to have a personal relationship, connection with them. Mary was the one who came and anointed Jesus' feet with her hair. So they had relationship. There was, a, there was a bond. I believe that they spent time together. Jesus went to their home, and he, he, he had a personal relationship with them, even beyond what he had with others that he walked with. The Bible says that this is a family that he loved. They sent word to him that, hey, Lazarus, the one you love, he is really sick. There was an urgency in the message. We need you to come right away. And when I read the text, it's, it's just like it's so, it, it, it makes you just stop a moment and make sure you're read it the right way. Because they're saying, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick. And it says, Jesus says, the one, it's not unto death. But it goes on to say the one that he loves is sick. But he stayed. Like, gosh, don't make sense, does it? But yes, it does. It makes a whole lot of sense. See, 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 the urgency, there was an urgency. Why? Because their hope, their hope, they had lost some hope because of what was going on. They had lost some hope because Jesus wasn't there yet. They had lost hope because he was gravely ill. They loved their brother. And they knew that Jesus loved him as well. (laughs) But Jesus decided to stay, not one more day, but two more days. (laughs) See, that caused me to ask why. But Jesus gave the answer right there in the text. He said, the sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God. See, he was getting ready to do something. He was getting ready to, to, to make, some, make the people see something that they needed to see. So that's why he took his time. I ain't going to rush. I'm going to get there because God's going to get the glory. The Father's going to be glorified 
out of what's happening or what's going to happen. See, the other thing, the thing that he, he was trying to say was, yeah, he died, but that wasn't the end of the matter. That wasn't the end of the story. But they didn't receive it that way. But he was saying, yeah, he died. It's not the end, but God's going to get glory in the end. So I believe sometimes God wants us to understand that too. Sometimes we're in these situations and God is saying, just, just if you trust me, you'll see my glory. It might be some pain, it might be some sorrow, but if you trust me, you'll see my glory. And you will see that the end is really not the end. I got three points today I want to share regarding all things new. He makes all things new. And the first point is this. Jesus sees the bigger picture. Jesus sees the bigger picture. I think it would be safe for me to say every one of us has been in a circumstance or situation in our lives where we urgently needed Jesus. God, we need you. Maybe because you went to the doctor and the doctor gave you a bad report and, and you walked out of there or even the moment you're sitting there, you're saying, oh God, I need you right now. Maybe it was a broken relationship. Maybe, maybe your husband walked out on you. Maybe your, your wife, maybe something happened in your relationship and you're saying, oh my God, what am I going to do now? God, I need you and I need you right now. Maybe it was a dream you had for your family. God, I, I had this dream and I, I had all these plans and it didn't quite happen that way. And Lord, I need you because I feel like I'm just out here, God, like a ship without a sail. <sighs> Maybe it was your career. God, I, I thought I was on the right track and then things failed. God, something happened. I lost my job or God, the thing that I thought the door that was going to open didn't open. And God, now I'm out here. God, I have no provision for my family. Jesus, I need you and I need you right now. Anybody been in an urgent situation? Anybody? I see a few hands. Oh, okay, I'm going to say, y'all, I need to stop preaching. Let y'all come up here and tell us how you made it through. And you didn't have no urgency in your life. I was going to say, give me the mic. Give me that mic. Because we all been there. We all have experienced that. And sometimes it seems like we're in the midst of those moments. Jesus is nowhere to be found. You feel like you're all alone. But the thing we have to understand is this. Our timing is not God's timing. See, we, 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 our timing and God's timing is misaligned. We think that God operates under our clock management system. God doesn't work under our clock management. See, because to God, he can wink in a thousand years and pass. And we count in seconds and minutes and hours, days and weeks and months. God does things with just a thought. 
before we can even get the thought in our mind, God's already done it. That quick sidebar, sidebar, because this is important. That's why we got to be ready when he returns. Because the Bible says in a moment, in a twinkling, blink your eye real fast, blink your eye. That's the twinkling. And in that twinkling, you don't have time to say nothing. It's just that quick. Boom, he's here. The dead rising. Those is alive going up to meet him in a twinkling of an eye. So our time is not like his. <laughs> see, but God is all-knowing. See, see, there's none like him. He is the one that has all the wisdom. He is the one who, 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 who understands these kingdom principles. He's the one who, who orchestrated all of this stuff. So his time and his ways are way above ours, but yet he wants to have relationship with us. The thing I've come to understand about God, he never does not answer our prayer. Sometimes he answers yes. Sometimes he answers no. Sometimes he says, not yet. But I think we've been so programmed that when we say God, we want him to say yes right now. God right now. But God has never been and will never be a genie in a lamp. That you can just rub, take the top off and say, Lord, I need this now. You give me that. And when he finishes, he goes back in the bottle and you put the top back on. He don't work like that. But the thing we can rest assured of is this, that, 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 that when he does answer us, it's going to be for our good. Whatever way he answers us, it's going to be for our good. His purpose, his plan yes. Yes. for our lives will be revealed in that. Why do you say that? Romans 8.28 tells us this. It says that we know that all things work together for what? For good to those who do what? Love God and are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. So we know that it's going to work out for our good. It may not work out the exact way we wanted it to, but it's going to work out for our good. That's what his word says. God's word is not going to return void. God's word will never fail. God's word will never fall short. It's always going to accomplish exactly what it says. Now, when you came in today, you, could, you should have gotten a puzzle piece. I got one just like you, but I got a bigger one because I wanted to be able to show it virtually. Everybody got one. And even those of you that are at home today, you, you may not have a piece of this puzzle, but I want you to just get a piece of paper that you're going to use. And I'm going to tell you what to do with it later on in the message. But you need to go ahead and get a piece of paper, something that you can use to represent what we're going to do. You know, each one of us is just like this individual piece of this puzzle. 
You do realize that, right? We're all part of God's massive puzzle. Different pieces. There are many of us. But we all fit together. We all have a part to play in the grand scheme of things. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that you're not a puzzle piece that don't fit? Aren't you glad you don't have to draw lots to to, to make it with Jesus because you might draw the piece that don't fit? See, the thing about it, though, because all these pieces go together. See, see, Jesus, he sees the bigger picture. We don't see the big picture with all the pieces. We only see our little piece. That's what we see. That's just human nature. We see our piece of the puzzle. But Jesus sees beyond that. And so when we face trials and we face all these tribulations, it's hard for us to see how, how, how does all this fit My God. into your grand scheme. God, I'm going through this over here. I, I'm going through that over there. God, I, I got this burden. I got this grief, this sorrow. God, how, how, how does it fit into your plan? See, because from our perspective, from our view, all we see is a broken image. Because that's what a puzzle piece looks like. Just a broken piece. Chipped on edges. Something else is supposed to be here, but it's missing. There's nothing connected there, so that piece is just hanging by itself. But God sees the bigger picture. See, trying to put your piece of, put the puzzle together, uh, 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 sometimes trying to put your puzzle piece together without the rest of them, it seems almost impossible. That's you ever try to put a puzzle together without looking at the box? <laughs> it's just like trying to put them toys together that we used to, me and used to try to do without looking at the instructions. <laughs> Something ain't gonna go right. It's going to cause frustration. I never forget, my granddaughter was sitting in the room, and we had given her this puzzle to put together. And it was this puzzle, these big pieces. And she couldn't, I mean, she got so frustrated. My wife had to calm her down. Calm down. Calm down. Because she could not figure out what these pieces, how these, everything fits together. But the way she began to understand, she saw the whole picture. And she began to see what she was putting together. And she began to see, oh, I see now. And so every time she got to a place where she wasn't sure, she looked at the picture. We had the thing sitting right up here so she can look at it while she was working on the floor. But every time she looked up and she got stuck, she looked at the picture. But sometimes we don't do that. All we do is look at our little piece of the puzzle, and it seems so detached from everything else. God just can't be your plan. God don't have but one body. 
That means that mean if you want to use a puzzle to define it, he don't have but one puzzle. And every one of us is a piece of that puzzle. See, the thing we have to learn to do is we have to trust him in the process. See, she had to trust my wife to, to say, it's, you can do it. You can put the puzzle together, just look at the picture. You see what that piece goes, see how that piece goes, see? You see something that's that color, you see something that's co- that will connect with that. And she put some pieces in there that didn't fit, but she had to take it out until she got the right piece. That's one of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs uh, 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 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord. With all of your heart. And don't lean into your own. Don't, don't trust your understanding because your understanding is going to fall short. Your understanding, I'm talking about myself. I'm not just saying you. Un- our understanding is not enough. The scripture goes on to say, but, but, but in all your ways to acknowledge him and he's going to direct you. He's going to direct your path. He's going to get your puzzle piece put in the right place if you trust him, Jesus. <laughs> so you got to understand that when we trust him, basically what we're saying is, God, we believe that you know better for me than I know for myself. Now, I don't know about you, but in my finite thinking, I definitely understand that the infinite God, the all-knowing God, the, the, the creator of all this, the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent one uh, is the one, the, the almighty, sovereign. He definitely can think more and better than me. I don't care how many degrees I got behind my name, how many years I've been to school. It don't compare. We fall so short. Got to trust him. So we have to make a decision. God, you gonna, we gonna, I'm going to depend on you and I'm going to let you take my puzzle piece. I'm going to let you finish the puzzle of my life and put it together the way you have set to put it together. So you got to trust in the Lord and you got to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. See, we still don't understand why my brother-in-law's life came to the end the way it did. We'll never understand that. It didn't fit the picture that we had envisioned. See, it didn't fit our picture. It didn't fit my sister-in-law's picture. It didn't fit his sibling's picture. It didn't fit his members of his church's picture. That wasn't what they saw. They saw a whole nother picture. But when they began to trust God, even in the midst of this thing, they began to come to a place of peace. Because they began to understand something. They understood that that God's going to use, and he's already using his life. Even now that he's gone on, he's using his life for his glory. that's what God does because he sees the bigger picture 
Now, one day when, when he returns and, and, and we all get to eternity together, we're going to be able to see. Maybe he's going to explain. Maybe he'll tell us the exacts. But the thing we understand right now is that one day, even though he's not here now, even though he wasn't raised up in that moment, one day he's going to be raised up. In the same power that conquered death, hell, and the grave, that's the plain power that he's going to be raised up in. I'm sure Mary and Martha, that wasn't the picture they envisioned. See, they knew Jesus, if, if, if he get here, they didn't see Lazarus dying from the illness. They saw a different picture. Jesus, so, so, so he, he finally arrived at the tomb. Lazarus had been dead four days. Not one day, two, three, four. So by now, you can, you can believe that they were so distraught. The grief and the pain was real. Look at John uh, uh, 11 chapter. We stand in 11 chapter, verse 17. And it says, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had joined the women around, uh, had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he said to her. Do you believe this? That's what I'm asking you. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary. See, Mary, Mary, Mary. now that's the one who went out there and, 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 and poured the, the, the precious oils on his feet, wiped them with her hair. But when Jesus didn't come, she was almost like, I ain't going out there. Jesus, you ain't, Jesus coming, I ain't, he didn't even come when we needed him. And now we get, when Jesus don't show up the way we want, when we want, sometimes we begin to, what's the, what's the use? Why should I even serve God? Why should I trust God? Because he didn't do things my way. 
But when Jesus called his disciples, he didn't say, I'm coming by to follow y'all. Can I join y'all in the fishing boat so we can fish? He told them to follow me. So she went to her saying, the teacher has come and he is calling you. And she went hard-headed. She did go. Some of us get hard-headed. God said, well, he didn't do it before, so. Now, 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 and as soon as she heard that she arose and quickly, quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only you had been here. You ever said that before? God, if you had, God, if you had been here, God, if you had opened the door, God, if you had made the way, God, if you had touched in that moment, God, if you had done God, what I needed you to do in that moment. How many times have we said those exact words? God, if only you had been here. See, the Bible, the beauty of the Bible, the Bible lets us know, but sometimes we miss it. See, the relationship between us and God, it's a little bit complicated, but not on God's end. See, we come into relationship with God. God gives us all the promises that he gives us. But then we, we, we try to make God be who we want God to be for us when we want him to be what we want him to be in the moment. And it, it just throws things out of whack. See, it's complicated. It's a complicated relationship between uh, us, the creation, and God, the creator. Sometimes we get the roles mixed up. See, 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 the relationship between God and, and, and man is, is a little untidy sometimes. Remember I mentioned last week about Adam. <laughs> when he disobeyed God, he went and hid from God behind some leaves. He's not going to see me. He created all the world. He created a garden that he was in. <laughs> That's ridiculous. What about Jonah? God gave Jonah strict, I want you to go down to Nineveh and do what I told you to do. What'd Jonah do? He went the opposite direction. Because God said, I want you to go down there and, and and what he told him to do, he didn't want to do. He was trying to be God. They don't deserve it, God. But yet, when he was swallowed by that fish, did he deserve to be delivered?
You see how misaligned it can be sometimes? <laughs> what about David? Remember how indignant David got when Nathan came? And he was laying out the line and he was laying down the list of all the stuff that somebody did. And David was like, yeah, you're right. Yup. Yup. They deserve it. They need to be hung up, strung up, punished severely. Until he said, <laughs> David. <laughs> it's you, man. <laughs> As much as David, heart was toward God. In those moments, we forget that God is all-knowing. That he sees everything. (laughs) He knows everything. You can't fool him none of the time. But I'm glad David, David came to his own, he came to his senses and he began to, 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 to really allow God to do that thing in his heart. That's why he says that he's a man after his own heart. That's how he was able to go and write the way he wrote in the Psalms. But if you read the Psalms, you find some of them are joyful psalms. Some of them are psalms of, of praise and worship, but some of them are, are songs of grief. And pain. Some of the songs are full of joy. And some of them are full of heartbreak. But yet and still, God. But God. See, I think this is where Mary and Martha found themselves. They they, they were, God, if you, Lord, If you had been here. Sometimes we get in these moments and we forget who God is. I would dare to say they saw him perform miracles. They saw him heal the sick. I'm sure they saw him raise somebody from the dead. But in that moment, only you have been here. You ever been there where we forget who God really is and we allow the circumstance to overshadow our trust and belief in him? That thought leads me to my next point. Jesus is not offended by your emotions, by your feelings. He don't get offended. <laughs> Martha and Mary, I'm sure they experienced anger, hurt. I mean, they were just confused. They, just like she said, Mary, when she first heard he was coming, I ain't going out there. I'm staying in the house. That's what he was saying, if you had been here. And I'm sure they didn't say, Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus, well, he wouldn't have died. They probably said, Jesus, if you had been here, you know how we let our emotions get us? Anybody got any emotions in the house? Okay, I want to make sure it's just not me. I know I got some. I thank God that he got them under control, though. Amen. See, they once hoped 
that Jesus would come and turn things around. They believed that. That's why they, 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 that's why they called for him the moment he got ill. Jesus come. But now all hope was gone because Jesus didn't come and he died. But the thing about Jesus, he never reprimanded them. He, he didn't reprimand them. Why? Because he don't get frustrated when we don't understand or when we allow our emotions to take the best, get the best of us. He don't get offended. He's not bothered by their emotion. Just like, just like with Peter, and he does the same thing he did with Peter. He, he met, met them right where they were, right in the midst of their emotion. Just like he met Peter. He kept asking Peter, do you agape love me? And Peter was saying, yeah, Apaleo love you. But he didn't, he did it three times. And Peter three times said, yes, Lord, Apaleo, I brotherly love you. He was trying to get him to love me, love like godly love. Now, if Jesus was one who, 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 who let, let that stuff get next to him, he would have said, Peter, you're just so dumb. I'm trying to get you to understand. I ain't talking about that kind of love. But what did he do? He restored him. Yes. Right where he was. <laughs> See, Jesus' response, even in the midst of what was going on with this family, was comfort. See, he reminded them that, 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 their, you know, that their faith, their hope, and their trust has to be in him. Death is not the end. <laughs> he reminded them that I'm the resurrection and the life. He saw their pain. But yet he comforted them in that moment. See, you, we, we have to understand, don't be afraid to be honest with God. God didn't never tell us in the Bible, don't ask me why. He never told us not to have emotions. You know why? He gave them to us. He gave us the emotions. So he expected us to let him take advantage of us sometimes. He's not going to tell us, no, be emotionless. Just do. No, he doesn't do that. So we got to stop. You got to allow yourself to be vulnerable before the Lord. God, I don't understand. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say, God, I, 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 was, I was thinking it was going to go the other way, but it didn't. But the thing is, you can't stay there. That's the mistake some of us make sometimes. When things don't happen or when things happen the way we didn't want them to happen, sometimes we get stuck and we can't get free. And that's what begins to cause the pain and the sorrow, the grief, the hurt, and all the despair to begin to weigh heavy on you and to weigh you down. That's what it does. Look, Jesus got, he got thick skin. He don't get easily offended. Like, what? You know how we do. He thick skin. 
in. He, 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 he. Why? He, he understood what he, 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 he knew what it was going to be like to suffer. See, he was misunderstood from the time he got on the scene. If he had now, if he was walking around in his emotions, he would have been just zapping people. <laughs> Especially those religious leaders. He'd have got all of them. <laughs> in Psalm 62 and 8, David told us to pour out your heart before the Lord. He's our refuge. God says, look, let me know. Pour your heart out. Be transparent. The thing you got to understand, he already knows how you feel. So no sense that you're trying to fake it. He know. So just be honest with God. God don't understand. Trust me, we said that. Trust me, my, my, my sister in love has said that many times. But God continues to show himself stronger in her life. See, when we start being honest with God in this way, that's where we can begin to be experience resurrecting hope. See, if you're not going to be honest with God, then your hope can't be resurrected. But the moment you start saying, God, this is where I am. I understand, God, that this thing has taken place. And I may not understand all of the reason why, but I'm, God, I'm, I'm being honest with you. But I'm going to trust you anyway. Yes. 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 See, God will use everything in our lives. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He'll use it for his glory and for our ultimate good if we just let him have it. So we got to learn to talk about God. Talk to God about how you feel. See, we'll tell each other off. We'll read each other the right act up and down. But then when you come to God, God. No, we got emotions. God, I'm hurting. God, I don't understand. I need you to help me. And he'll do just that. He's not going to turn you away because you say, God, I don't understand this. Sometimes I just talk to him like that. And as a leader, you, you talk to God a lot. You find yourself talking to God a lot. Because God has you on a pathway that you don't always understand the next step you're going to take. And sometimes you take steps and you be like, oh my goodness. Okay, God, why did you have me do that? But you got to be honest with God. Just like what I told when, 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 when God called me to this, this, this place, this calling, I let him know. I said, God, if you're not going to be with me every day, I don't, don't want to go. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, who am I telling God what I'm going to do? But I did. I was honest with God. My wife will tell you. The boy will tell you. 11.59. My, my, my whole package had to be in at 12 midnight. And I was all the way up to 11.59. Okay, God, I need the assurance. Because I'm not going to push this button until you do. And God gave me that. He told me, go ahead. I got you. 
It ain't going to be easy, but I got you. I had to trust him. That's a whole other story. I ain't going down that road. <laughs> but you got to understand something about God. When we begin to pour out to God in our moment of hurt and pain, he feels that. God is not, he, 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 he's not one of those that, that, that doesn't feel our pains. He, he's not one that doesn't, doesn't pay attention to our suffering and our sorrows and our griefs. He, 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 he'll come right along and when we cry, he, his tears, he flows tears for us too. He, he, he feels our pain when our heart breaks. He understands that. He wants to just love us in those moments. He wants us to know that you're not by yourself. I haven't left you. You're not alone. I got you. I'm with you. That's what we see in John 11, 33, 32, 35. It says this, therefore, Jesus saw her weeping. He saw this Mary now. She's going to come on the scene. He, he saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping. They all were weeping. They were all crying. They were, I mean, they were wailing. That's, what the, that's when you go and search out the commentary. They were wailing, crying. But it says that, that, that he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. Don't you know when we go through pain and suffering and heartache, that, 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 that's who God is. He feels our pain. And that's when he said, he said, oh, where, where have you laid him? Lord, come and see. And it says, Jesus wept. The shortest Bible verse in the whole Bible. And if you can't remember no text, If you ever in the circle, and they say, everybody gonna say a scripture. You shouldn't be standing there like, mm, I can't remember nothing. Cause you can always say Jesus wept. What was he doing? He was crying. That was his compassion. See, see, in his divinity, he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus up, Lazarus up. But in his humanity, you know, he was, he was God and man. So he was feeling both sides. On one side, he was, I'm going to raise him. Because I'm the resurrection and the life. But right now, I feel the pain just like they do. He wasn't hardened to that because he was God, but he felt that. So you got to understand when you weep, God is deeply moved. When you're crying, when you're hurting, Jesus is hurting when his heart breaks just like yours. When we are going through our suffering and our pain, he's moved with compassion. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He doesn't forget about you in those moments, even though you feel like you might be all alone. Likewise, Psalm 147 and 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted, and He binds up their wounds. So He, don't, only, he, 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 he heals you, and he, he binds up the hurt and the pain. 
See, we live in a world where sickness is a reality. It is. Disappointments happen. They happen all too often. Relationships break up. Sometimes things are real painful. But God has never, he is never afar off when you're going through your circumstance. He's always right there in the middle to bring you comfort. He's always there. He don't leave you. He told us he'll never leave us, nor forsake us. John eleven thirty eight 38 through 44 says this. He says, then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb, and it, it, was, it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. He said, take away the stone. Martha, and, and Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you? See, I believe at that moment, he's he, he getting a little indignant now. Look, I told you I'm the resurrection and the life. I told you that, that it wasn't unto death. Now you're talking about something stinking, and I'm standing right here. Didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then he took away the, they, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come for. And he who died came out bound, hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. See, understand something. When he came out, grave clothes, that means he was wrapped up like a mummy. From head to toe. I got a question. How did he walk out of there? Was he walking? Because he hadn't been loose yet. They didn't wrap one leg at a time. Why were they going to do that? He was going in the grave. He was in the tomb. They wrapped him from head to toe like this. And he came forth out of there. I'm going somewhere with that. See, 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 sometimes our stuff is all bound up, wrapped up, tied up, and we don't see that it's going to ever be manifested before us. It's so tied up, it can't happen. Oh, but that man was tied up from head to toe. And when Jesus said, come on through, come on out of there, he came. So what was he doing? Was he hopping? Jesus went to the tomb. He told the people, take, take the stone away. See, Jesus already knew. See, he knew that he was going to have a stone, he was going to have a stone story. See, he knew that, that, that in a few days down the road, that, that, that there was going to be a story about him and a stone being rolled away. 
Because when his stone was rolled away, all victory, all victory was won. Death, hell, and the grave was won. And so what he was showing them, that's exactly what was happening right there. Death seemingly had won. But the stone was rolled away. And what was dead came walking out. That's hope. But look at, look at, look at, look at Martha. See, this is us. This, this is humans. Jesus is going to be stinking. You better get you an N95 mask. Because it's going to be stinking when he come out. See, he was about to perform a miracle right in front of her, and, and all she could think about was, She was thinking about the natural. See, God is about to work a miracle for us. He's about to do the thing that we've been asking him to do. He's about to open the door that we've been waiting for him to open. But we're so busy looking at the closed door that we can't believe the door is about to open. Faith, trust. Yeah. On any other given day, to go in that tomb, it would have been stinking. On any other given day, when our situations are, are, are backed up against the wall and, and when, when, when we, 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 we fall in short and when stuff look all jammed up, that's the way it is. But now when Jesus says, come forth. See, when Jesus is speaking into your situation, we have to trust in the one who's speaking, not in the circumstance that we're looking at. See, Jesus had to remind them, this sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God, that God's going to be glorified through this. That's what he's saying to us in our circumstances. It's not the end, but it's so that, God, I'm going to get some glory out of your situation. See, can I understand something? He was trying to get them to see that faith must precede sight. Stop putting it the other way around and looking first. No, trust and believe first. Then the supernatural could happen. That's my last, I'm coming to my last point, last point, last point. Jesus can make what's dead alive. Yeah. He prayed to his father. He told Lazarus to come out. And in that, main, in that instant, all the sorrow and despair that Mary, Martha, and all those that had gathered was gone. See, see, in that moment, they were mourning. But then all the mourning and all the pain and despair was resurrected to joy and hope by the supernatural power of God. See, Jesus came to bring new life to everyone and to everything. And that's the story. In that story, Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. In our lives, 
Jesus can resurrect the places that are dead in our life. Because he makes all things new. There's nothing that he cannot do. Some of us got joy that's dead. Jesus can make your joy alive. Dreams for our family and, and, and dreams for our life. But he can make those things alive again. Jesus can resurrect your relationship that you thought was dead. He can resurrect uh, uh, your purpose that you, you, you feel like, God, I missed my purpose in life. He can resurrect that. He can resurrect our hope. Why does he do that? So that the Father can be glorified. So that God can get the glory. Team, you can get in place. See, we don't have the answer to every why. And we're not going to get the answer to every why. Why? I can't answer that. And maybe you like me, sometimes I say, when I get to heaven, I got a few things I'm going to ask Jesus. I'm going to ask God, because I want to get an answer. But I say that now. But when I get to heaven, I ain't going to be thinking about nothing that happened back then. Have no questions about God, why didn't you open that door for me? God, why didn't you let me get no? Hallelujah. Well, I'm gonna be up there running around them streets of gold and praising God, and I'm gonna be up there cutting the food for Jesus. Woo! I'm gonna ask him why. But all we got to remember is what God said in Jeremiah 29, 11. See, this is the thing we have to understand about God. We're not going to ever get the wise to things that happen. But one thing we can trust in, he said in his word, for I know the plans. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Look, look, his plans are to prosper us, not to harm us, and to give us what? Hope and a future. So sometimes when you don't understand why, just go to Jeremiah and say, God, I don't understand, but I know you have plans for me. It may not have turned out the way I wanted to. Maybe what I envisioned as my puzzle may not be what it is now. But I know you said, matter of fact, declares the Lord. Your plan is not to hurt me, to harm me, but to prosper me and to give me a hope and a future. This morning, y'all can rise on your feet. This morning, I I invite you to see, maybe for the first time, maybe some of you have never experienced it. I wish y'all would not leave, because I need you all to do this puzzle piece, so 
if, I don't know why y'all rushing out. Even if you got to work a table, I need everybody to be in here for this moment. Everybody. Because it's important. It's important. I know we got a good things we have to do after service. We got people have a volunteer assignments, but if you can just wait a few moments, greatly appreciate it. See, some of us have hurt right now in our hearts. Some of us are going through pains. Some of us still have some grief. Some of us are still trying to understand the why for our circumstance. But I want to invite you today to, 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 to take a moment and to understand just what Jeremiah, what God said in Jeremiah, that his plans for you are good. Not to hurt you, harm you in any way. The puzzle piece of your life may not make sense. You ever look at a puzzle piece? They got all different types of shapes and bump outs and cut in. And it may not make sense to you. But if we could just trust God and know that He sees the bigger picture, we can have hope and a future. And so, that puzzle piece that you have now, what you're going to do. And those of you that are online today, I, I want you to participate too. If you got a pen, if you don't have a pen, the ushers should have some pens. If you don't have anything to write with, because I need you to do something on that puzzle piece. I want you to turn on the back of that puzzle piece. And I want you to, to write on the back just something. It could be one word. It could be, it could be some letters that represent it. But I want you to write what you need God to make new for you. What is it in your life that you need God to resurrect? What is it you need God to do in your life? Write it down. If you don't have a pen, ushers have some pens. They'll get a pen to you. I need everybody to do that today. even myself. Because I know that in every life, there's something that we wait on God to do. There's something that, that, that we may feel is dead. Maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't for me. Maybe I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to hold on to that any longer. Maybe we experience some hurt. I know there are those of us that are in here now that lost loved ones. That's pain. That's pain. There's grief. There's sorrow. But he's here to do that. And what I want you to do as an act of your faith and trust in God, I want you to just bring that puzzle piece and I want you to lay it on this platform. We're going to do two things with those pieces. You can come. You can start coming now. And, and just lay it there. Just lay it there. And then you can just return to your seat.
See, every piece of this puzzle, it does two things. It represents your life, and it represents us all together as one. If you return to your seat, don't leave yet. I'm going to pray a corporate prayer. Those of you that are online today, if you would do the same, you can create an altar right where you are in your home. If you would just write on a piece of paper and just lay it down in the same way as an altar unto God. Sing. able to come to the altar, would you just fill out your puzzle piece and let someone bring it? One of the ushers can grab it for you. Or if you have a family member that's beside you, they can bring it for you. But we want everybody, we don't want anybody today in this building to not put your piece on the platform. Because it's important. It's important. Every piece of this puzzle is important. Every piece of this puzzle is necessary. Every piece of this puzzle, God has ordained to be a part of his big picture. That's why I didn't want anyone to leave before you did this, because it's important that your piece is represented and ask those of you that are online to do the same today. Hallelujah. I'm giving a prayer, a corporate prayer. Has everybody put their piece on the table? I mean, on the, on the platform. I'm going to invite my prayer team. If you all would come up and I want you to just to gather around the altar, or gather around the platform, I want you to begin to pray over these pieces. I'm going to say a corporate prayer, but I want you all to find a place at this platform where there are pieces and I want you to begin to pray that God would move. See, there are some things that are written there. There are some, some, someone can get on this side over here. Just find a spot, find a spot and begin. You can begin praying. Just begin praying now over these pieces. Father, we come now today. God, we know that you make all things new, God. And we know that you're view of us, God. You see the bigger picture. Every piece, God, of this puzzle is significant. God, every piece that needs to be healed, delivered, set free, made new, God, no matter what healed, God, it doesn't matter. 
You know what each and every letter that's written represents. And so, God, we're believing today, God, that you're going to do just that. You're going to resurrect things, God, that are dead in the lives of people. God, sometimes it can be things that seem so insignificant. Sometimes it's things, God, that Lord, have been holding on to for a long time, God, and it seems like it's just never going to happen. God, maybe it's a fresh wound, God, where, God, someone just recently lost a loved one, God, and they, they feel all alone, God. They, they feel, God, that, Lord, that, that life now, God, is, is not worth moving forward with, or, God, they feel like, God, they've they, they, they just been abandoned, God, but you are there. And, God, you are there, God, to show your love. Because even in the midst of this, God, we may not understand the why, but we know for sure that your word says, God, that your plans that you have for us, God, are plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. So, God, we claim that today for each and every one. Those that are in, on, in, in virtual land today that have laid down, God, Lord, that, that same peace, God, on the altar, wherever they are today, we speak the same for them. God, someone who may view this message, God, at a later time, God, that they will get, a God, something that represents you know, a puzzle piece or a piece of paper, something, God, that they can have and they can write down the places that need to be resurrected in their life. And we believe, God, because we, God, have a living hope, God, because of your being resurrected, these circumstances can be resurrected as well. So, Lord, we thank you for that right now. We thank you, Lord. And we just praise you for it now. And we give you the glory. And, God, we ask today, God, as we prepare to leave, Lord, that you, God, will go with us, that you will continue, Lord, to, to guide us, that you will continue, Lord, to protect us. Continue, God, to pour out your spirit upon us. Fresh anointing, fresh power each and every day. God, give us each day, God. Lord, our daily bread, God, let us know, God, that you are with us every day. Know, God, that yesterday's anointing, yesterday's, oh, God, touch, God, is not what we're going into tomorrow with, but tomorrow, God, we'll have a brand new touch, a brand new anointing, a brand new, a refreshing, God, in you. Lord, we thank you for that today, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. To connect with us, visit us at Bethelhampton.com and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and be the light. <laughs>